Another episode of the Red Reporter Podcast. We uh, we took a minor break uh, over the last week and a half, two weeks or so, in part because the Reds that uh, had maintained uh, relevance into the start of August uh, fell completely flat on their face for a little while. And now um, sit about what? What are they? Six games under five hundred. Hopefully, five games under five hundred. If they can pull out this win on this Thursday night uh, contest, where they are currently taking on the Miami Marlins. Um, that said, there's still a lot to be uh, uh, kind of dissected about this team. I mean, there's they're, they're set up to be uh, uh, kind of a, a more relevant topic and a more uh, – uh, uh, I don't even – I don't want to say contender. Good God, it's been so long since they've been good enough to call them anything, much less call them a contender. Um, but they, they, they've put together some interesting pieces to where the idea that 2020 could be better than 2019 is not too freaking outlandish. I guess that's the, the – the politest way to say that. So um, we'll dive into that a little bit, in part because of what we've seen over the last few weeks and why we think that. But uh, uh, I'm joined tonight by uh, a, a couple of expert voices when it comes to the Reds. Um, uh, as Alex Wood just gives up another another solo home run, that's that's lovely. Um, anyway, over in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, we've got Tony Wolf. Tony, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing I'm doing good, Wick. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to process this whole uh, uh, Alex Wood not being a competent big league pitcher in 2019 thing because it continues to kind of confound me. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, another another topic we can dive into later on down the road. Also joining us tonight, though, from uh, the capital of Ohio, we have the one and only Charlie Scrabbles. How are you, buddy? Yes, Starlin Castro is apparently still a relevant major leaguer. That's uh, something I just learned this week. Yeah, so it was Star- Starling Castro that just turned around an Alex Wood meatball, and that's the third solo home run. And I believe, what, does that make uh, 11 he's given up already this year? And it's a lot, Wick. Yeah, I think he gave up eight entering this game in about 27-ish innings, and that's three more tonight. And they're doing it in Marlins Park, which is obviously not the most dinger-friendly stadium out there. So uh, um, uh, it- it's been a weird, weird ride for Alex Wood and the Reds. And I guess- it sucks, Wick. It sucks, man. It does. Because I guess we can we can we can start about we can start this uh, by, by diving into Alex Wood real quick, also because it is what it's August 29th. Um, there are two more days before the end of August, which in the past meant what it meant the the, the post trade deadline trade deadline, which is if players cleared waivers, they can negotiate trades and whatnot. Um, that's gone this year. There is no more of that. But what we've seen happen, and the Reds kind of being on the uh, on both ends of the spectrum, really, uh, is players who have a decent bit of money left on their contracts uh, getting claimed and just uh, just vacating. That's how it goes. They that's how they brought in Freddie Galvis in the infield. That's how they brought in Kevin uh, Kevin Gosman for the bullpen for the time being, um, and they waved goodbye to Jared Hughes. But uh, of all the players left on their roster, Alex Wood kind of seemed like the one guy that might potentially still go by the end of the month because, uh, shit, the, the Oakland A's are trying out Matt Harvey, and they've got Homer Bailey in their rotation. Uh, there are ample teams out there that would roll the dice on $2.5 bucks worth of Alex Wood for a month and a half. Uh, we haven't seen that happen in part because Wood's not been very good 
at all since coming off the DL, and we're seeing that again tonight. Um, I, I guess what are your thoughts initially on uh, on that, as well as if we'll see anything else happen between now and what uh, Sunday, I guess, uh, which is the deadline for teams to add players to their roster before the postseason. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Scrabbles, what do you think, buddy? I made the mistake earlier today of checking in on what um, Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray have been doing oh, in God. the Dodgers system. The uh, They were the two uh, prospects that were sent to the Dodgers uh, and the big swap that netted Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood and Matt Kemp and sent Homer Bailey that way. And the money all went uh, one way or the other. Um, basically, it sucks, Wick. Um, <laughs> I think we've got the title for this episode. Episode 12, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the way, like, Jeter Downs, is, he's, his OPS is something like 875 for the season, and he's playing in the middle infield. Josiah Gray has an ERA of, like, 260. Like, they would be the best-performing prospects in the red system, if only. Um, and like it, it was a good trade. It still was a good trade because it really it really injected the team with a lot of relevance, with a lot of energy, like getting Puig and Alex Wood and like suddenly like they were aggressive and they were going for it and things were happening, you know, and they neither Downs nor Gray was, you know, a, one of the top prospects. They were, you know, fringy top 100 prospects at best. Right. Um, but they've really come on this year and seeing basically the entire top 10 list of the Reds prospects uh, either struggle or get traded in the case of Taylor Trammell. And yeah, it, it sucks, Wick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's certainly it's worth, uh, worth Oh, wow. We just got loud there. Um, anyway, so Tony, what do you think, man? What are your thoughts on Alex Wood and the, uh, the what, what we've seen from him and what the heck we might see from him uh, ever again after this start? Yeah, I mean, obviously for a lot of the season, it was going to be good news just to see Alex Wood pitch in a Reds uniform uh, at all uh, because, you know, he, he had the injury issues in the spring and then his, his return just kept seeming like he got pushed back further and further. It kind of reminded me of what, what happened – with uh, Anthony Biasbafani uh, a few times in recent years. And uh, so the, the idea of Alex Wood pitch, pitching at all would have, was a welcome one for most of the season. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit surprising to see the Reds hold on to Wood uh, as, as long as they have without trying to just outright release him. Uh, I know they're always on the look for, pitchers who can help them in 2020. Uh, obviously, we've seen that with uh, them going out and getting a guy like Kevin Gossman recently and, uh, you know, get, try, just trying to trying to identify which pitchers might be able to help them as they uh, reboot and, and try this try this whole experiment again in 2020. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's why they've, they've held on to Wood as long as they have, is just to keep trying to get him looks and trying to see what he has to offer. And unfortunately the answer seems to be not a lot. Uh, he's <laughs> not really stressing anyone out. He's not, uh, he's, he's walking a few too many guys. He's, uh, as we are, he's got eight now, strikeouts tonight in six up, innings. So just, uh, just add. <laughs> he's, he's given up a lot of home runs. Uh, he does not, I mean, and you know, you, you think of, 
what his value might be to a contending team or a team that is still gunning for a run. You know, maybe they'd see him as a lefty that could come out of the bullpen and, and have his stuff play up a little bit. But Alex Wood's stuff does not scream, you know, this plays up in the bullpen. He does not throw very hard. He doesn't have the high spin breaking ball that he could, you know, really center on and, and rebuild a repertoire around. He just doesn't, he hasn't had a lot of good uh, stuff to offer so far since he returned. And uh, you kind of hope that he might throw a little bit better with a little bit more uh, health uh, or a little bit more of a uh, more, more recent experience behind him. But yeah, right now, right now the Alex Wood uh, plan has been, has been kind of a dud. And uh, I, I, I'll say it sucks. I think that's a good, that's a good (laughs) way to sum it up. That's a, that's that's an apt uh, description, especially when you throw in the fact that Matt Kemp. Uh, oh God! And Josh uh, uh, Puig took about two and a half months to become. I don't even know if he ever got his WRC plus above one hundred in a Reds uniform. He started so slow. Um, and Kyle Farmer's cool. I guess that's the positive out of all of this. Kyle Farmer seems like he is going to be the most useful. Uh, piece of that entire deal in terms of what the Reds have, which is uh, wholeheartedly goddamn depressing uh, to think it's, about. It, it's, it's, it's honestly, in retrospect, it's kind of like, it's not exactly the Aroldis Chapman trade, speaking of things that sucked. Um, oh, man. But, but, <laughs> but the most interesting player that the Reds got in the Aroldis Chapman trade was their current assistant pitching coach, <laughs> who apparently is, uh, uh, who is who is in theory helping Sonny Gray recapture his form and all the above. But while we're talking about pitchers, while we're talking about Alex Wood as well, um, a couple things. For one, and I might be wrong on this, but uh, historically speaking, teams don't necessarily announce when they put guys on waivers. Uh, there's a chance Alex Wood could have already been on waivers and cleared and nobody claimed him. Um, be, then we just didn't hear about it because nobody claimed him. Uh, so maybe that's why that seems likely actually, maybe that's why he's still around. Although, you know, like I mentioned, the fact that the, the, the A's who are in the playoff chase, uh, tremendously right now are, are starting Homer Bailey and getting excellent starts from him and claim Matt Harvey or sign Matt Harvey to a minor league deal with eyes on maybe putting him in their rotation because that's how desperate they are. Um, when I think about Alex Wood, you almost wonder if he's been so bad this year that you could bring him back next year on a very, very discounted contract. And I don't want to sound like pro front office here, because in theory I'm, I'm significantly more pro player. And I hope like hell somebody gives him a ton of money to go out there and risk his arm and surgery and rehab and everything else. Um, but if that's not going to happen, and, and you know, obviously Wood's not the same case as a guy like Dallas Keuchel, um, but Keuchel obviously waited till midseason this year to finally sign for a prorated $13 million. Um, Alex Wood's only 28 years old. Uh, you look at how much the Reds obviously wanted him this last offseason. Let um, me kind of parlay this into some of the other things we've talked about. Uh, last night you saw seven awesome innings from Anthony DiScofani. Who's going to be in the mix for 2020 pitching uh, in the starting rotation as well? Uh, the Reds announced today they're bringing Tyler Malley back uh, off of the uh, the IL to start one of the doubleheader games on Saturday. The Reds claim Kevin Gosman too uh, uh, from the uh, Atlanta Braves, where he struggled mightily after uh, pitching really well for them at the end of last year after coming over from Baltimore. Um, the Reds for the first time in forever are heading into 2020 with a bevy of legitimate starting pitching options. Um, 
What are your thoughts on the idea that Wood might be around as part of that and maybe how Kevin Gosman fits into that mold as well, either as a starter or potentially as a reliever? Uh, Tony, what do you think, man? Yeah, I could absolutely see Alex Wood uh, being signed somewhere on something like a $2 million deal because, like you said, he's been he's performed so poorly. And I think I think if you're the Reds, you, you – the Reds were, were going to make – a uh, move like that, they I would think that they would try and and put him in the bullpen and see how he lasts there. Since the start, since they've seen him as a starter and it's not uh, what what they hoped for, uh, they still don't have a lot of left-handed uh, a lot of left-handed pitching talent in the bullpen. Uh, you know, they've got Amir Garrett, obviously, and Amir, Amir Garrett's been great. But besides him, it it drops off pretty quickly. So it'd be nice to see them make that kind of gamble with wood and just to, just to see you know what he what he might be able to offer there um i i think i'd rather see them uh i i, I hope that's not the answer to their uh left-handed pitching depth issues in, in the bullpen but it's one possibility um i really like kevin gossman uh i don't know i wanted the reds to i in uh full transparency i really wanted the reds to trade for him uh, last trade last, deadline, yeah, right. uh, and uh, he, which is good that they didn't, because now they got him for money, and uh, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't threaten the. They weren't going to make the playoffs with him this year anyway, or last year, uh, importantly for that matter. So, um, but I, I, I do. I, I've liked Gossman for a long time. Uh, his fastballs, uh, you know, his fastballs very good. His split fingered uh, change is. Uh, has looked really good uh, with the Reds, and uh, we, we've seen him out of the bullpen so far. Uh, he's really uh, he's he's sort of let go of the the slider that he uh, sort of he, that he tried to use as a starter uh, as that third pitch. Uh, he's sort of let that go, and he's he's really devoted uh, himself to just being a four seam split finger guy. And, and I think, I think, uh, I, I think a reliever like that with his kind of stuff could really play up well as a late inning arm. Uh, especially if, you know, we, we've seen Rysel Iglesias, uh, be sort of disappointing at times. Uh, we, we've seen David Hernandez and Jared Hughes, two, two guys that we, that were really dependable last year uh, fell off this year in in pretty bad ways. So the Reds the Reds need some uh, some high level uh, bullpen talent going into next year. That's going to be a, a really big and really important get for them. And if and if Gossman uh, shows that he can have the kind of stuff that offers that to them, then that's going to make this look like a really really great pickup. For them. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's going to make, what, $10.5, maybe $11 million in his final year of arbitration, which is not a it's not an insignificant amount of money by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's also, if you look up and think that, okay, between he and Rysel Iglesias, your best two relievers are making combined uh, $19 bucks next year. That's not outlandish. That's what a lot of teams spend on the back end of their bullpen. That's what uh, most teams, especially ones that are trying to contend on a very tight window, um, spend on the back end of their bullpen. And I agree with you that Gosman's the kind of guy who obviously looks significantly better um, since he's been used in a bullpen role, which is not something he's been used in often in his career. Um, 
but at this point, it almost makes it like it's the ability to maximize what he's good at. Um, and if that's what's going to continue, um, A, I don't hate the idea of him still being around next year and doing just that. But B, you also factor in that, you know, God forbid if there's a pitcher that gets hurt because pitchers always fucking get hurt. Um, he's a pretty good fill-in option to potentially backfill on the, the rotation if need be too, uh, which is never a bad insurance policy to have. Uh, Scrabs, what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm um, like, uh, just like Tony, I've always been a, a Kevin Gossman fan. I think um, the Orioles wanted so badly for him to be an ace, but he's a he's a one pitch pitcher. He's always been a dude. He he has that splitter and it's just incredible. And it's always been about trying to get a couple of pitches on top of that, you know, his fastball is fine. If you can just get him a breaking ball. Right. But clearly at this point in his career, he's got a splitter and that's what he does. And that's great in the bullpen. Like we've seen exactly how great that can be in the bullpen. Um, so I'm all, I'm all up on this idea of Kevin Gossman being this shutdown reliever in the back end. I've, I have all the confidence in the world that he's, he's got with that, what that needs um as for going going back to the uh the alex wood bit for a minute um i i really don't see a whole lot of i i don't see a whole lot of possibility of him coming back to cincinnati signing next year um unless of course i mean this all has to do with how much has he liked it here in cincinnati how much does he like working with Derek Johnson, how much does he like being in Cincinnati? Because he's, he's, he and Kyle Farmer he's, are best friends. Farmer's around. He's got to stay, right? I mean, it's his best friend, right? right? Buddies. Which, sure, you know, but there are going to be half a dozen teams who are going to offer him a perfectly, you know, perfectly fine pillow contract for next year. And it's, you know, if the Reds are going to get him, it's going to be because the Kyle Farmers and the Caleb Cothams of the world make him feel really nice and comfortable here. Right. right. So we I, I don't really know if that's the case or not. I, I hope so. But um, I, 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 I would love to see him pitch out of the bullpen for a contender, a contending Reds team next year as a lefty, like out of the bullpen, like him and Amir Garrett, just like laying down motherfuckers all the damn time. But <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that's, that's kind of a pipe dream. He's going to get, he's, he's earned it. He's a, he's going to be a free agent. Like he's going to get his pick and it's, it's about damn time for a, a you know, 28 years old and finally getting your, I, I have a whole thing. I'm, I'm with you, buddy, like being pro player, like, you know, the, the whole free agency and all that process. We can talk about that in another well, podcast. For, 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 from that perspective, it's also that he's almost pitched himself completely out of conversation for getting a qualifying offer, which is something that like this time, whatever the hell it was, eight, nine months ago when, he, when the Reds traded for him, was like, oh, well, Alex Wood might be our opening day starter and he might warrant a qualifying offer, yeah. worst case scenario. Um, those qualifying offers, especially if he goes out and signs a big time deal, uh, th- th- those kind of prospects, uh, the reason why teams have not signed some of the guys that have those qualifying offer tags on them and the penalties on signing them is because you get to draft around where guys like Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs got selected. You know, that's that's where you get guys in the, the 30 to 50 range. Uh, that's an important thing for a lot of front offices. And so for Wood, it's almost like he's, he, you know, obviously he wanted to be healthy and wanted to go into his, his, his free agency dominant as a lefty like Patrick Corbin did. Um, 
But the fact is, he's probably pitched himself out of that draft compensation uh, bog because he's been hurt and so bad. So in theory, that might actually help him uh, in this weird catch-22 scenario we talk about uh, as he heads into free agency. And, yeah, I agree with you. I, I hope he uh, I hope he signs for as much possible money as he can get and doesn't have to go through this a year from now again uh, because of how bad and how things haven't worked out this particular season. So, um, yeah. Just like just just like our you know friend of the podcast Scooter Jeanette, he's played himself out of fifty million dollars at, at least. least. Yeah, and and and, and yeah. in a matter of months, like in a couple of months, he's lost fifty million dollars. Like it's it's incomprehensible. But yeah, I, I feel for the guy for 100%, sure. One hundred percent. You know, it's never anything you really wish on anyone. Um, although I guess it is worth noting that uh, had the Reds not traded for Alex Wood. In that massive deal, they wouldn't have got Yasiel Pui, who they then used to trade with Taylor Trammell in that massive deal to bring in Trevor Bauer, who in theory is supposed to be one of the co-aces for the 2020 season, despite the fact that he's looked like absolute ass for most of his time in the Reds already. Um, anyway, burying the, uh, burying the lead here, um, Aristides Aquino just homered again tonight. That's his... 14th home run in 26 games this month, and I believe, counting his one plate appearance last year, that's 14 home runs in 27 games, technically. Um, He's a guy who at 25 got, uh, or I guess technically at 24, got outrighted off the Reds roster altogether last year, could have been picked up in the Rule 5 draft, could have been picked up by anybody, wasn't. Uh, completely overhauled everything he's done about everything. And at 25, finally got a chance to get called up again this year after just laying waste to AAA pitching. Um, We touched on it the last episode, but that was two weeks ago. And at the time, it kind of seemed like, oh, they've never thrown him a breaking ball. Maybe he's good. But there was also in the back of your mind, like, maybe he's just Brian LaHare. And if you don't remember who Brian LaHare was, that's the point. Um, Yeah. this is a guy who continues to look more and more every single game like what he's shown is not a fluke. And that's what, 43, 42, 43, 44 home runs he's hit between AAA and the big leagues this year while also battling a shoulder injury that had him on the IL for a while at the AAA level. Um, what we're seeing right now from our Steve Aquino is literally history. Um, his 14 home runs are the tied for the most ever hit in a month by anybody in Cincinnati Reds history. The 14th home run he hit with, what, two more games, three more games left in the month of August on the slate uh, is the most ever hit by a rookie in any month in National League history. Um, he's making history. And, yes, the ball is juiced this year. And, yes, everybody is hitting home runs. But what we've seen from Aquino has been truly freaking historic. Um what are your thoughts on what you've seen from him, what you could possibly begin to expect from him still going forward? Uh, because it looks like he's becoming more and more of all the Reds rookies you thought you'd see this year. He was way down the list of ones that you thought might be the next franchise game changer, but that's exactly what he's been so far this year. Uh, just talk about Aquino if you can for a little bit. Uh, Tony, go first, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing you keep coming back to with Aquino is just he hits the ball so freaking hard and there there just aren't a lot of guys in Major League Baseball even who hit the ball as hard as Aquino does you know we we talked about that uh back when he crushed that 118 mile an hour home run off the bat you know that's that is an 
upper, upper, upper level of elite power that... I don't uh, know about you guys, but my peener just said, home? (laughs) (laughs) There is an upper, upper level of uh, power hitters in in Major League Baseball and that can achieve that sort of thing. And and the Reds have one of them now, and they haven't in in a really long time. And, you know, it's... It, it isn't just, you know, it doesn't seem to be, oh, this guy is just swinging for the fences and he's connecting a few times. He's, you know, looking at a stat cast page, he's barreled up 18% of the balls he's hit. And that's before tonight when he hit another home run. So he's probably over 20% that's now, crazy. Uh, which is, uh, the, he's the only person, the only player ahead of him entering tonight was Nelson Cruz in that respect. Uh, and barrel rate is like a pretty, that stabilizes pretty quickly. That's pretty indicative early on of a guy who can see the ball and square it up and drive it and hit yeah, it. Yeah, really that's, that's literally see ball, hit ball. That's not, that that, that, that yes. is the, the most basic way you can judge that because they're not missing anything. They're, they are, they're not a half inch off, they're not a half centimeter off. They are hitting exactly where they want to hit that. And that's impressive as all hell. Um and when you see the the you know his his home run rates, you kind of go, okay, well he was always he was all, the concern for Aquino is also you know oh he's always a really free swinger in the minors. He 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 struggled with strikeouts. He couldn't get get hit a breaking ball. He's he entered tonight with a twenty two and a half percent strikeout rate in hundred in his first hundred and plate appearances and change. That's not that's not bad that's fine yeah that is fine uh, walking almost eight percent of the time his his discipline he's he's had some rough looking at bats uh Mm -hmm. that you see rookie rookies with his kind of profile have when they first get to the big leagues but for the most part he's he's been a really tough out for the in, in a really tough uh, at bat for the most part and yeah you know that's one of those things that okay, you know okay of course he's not going to hit 14 home runs a month for for the, for the duration of his career but he also does not he's never looked over his head you know facing big league pitching and and for a lot of his minor league career that was that was a, a very legitimate fear was that he was if he, if and when he got to the big leagues he would see someone with a with a decent breaking ball, and he would just look completely overmatched, and that just hasn't happened. Yeah, yet. no, one hundred percent. And I mean, it's 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 far from, uh, you know, you hope that I'm mentioning a lot of big names when I say this, but they are examples of guys who just took a while. I mean, he's twenty five years old and is kind of figuring it out now and finally getting his first real opportunity. Um, but that's not the first time that's ever happened in big league history. You look back at guys like Todd Frazier, former first round pick. Came to the Reds minor leagues and kind of was good at times, was a top 100 prospect, hit the upper minors, kind of stalled, uh, had to work on his swing a little bit and finally got a chance to get called up at 25 and then took off. Uh, You look at other organizations, um, guys like Josh Donaldson got traded multiple times and took until he was 27 before things finally clicked for him. And he turned into an MVP and one of the best power histories, power hitters the last like you know, half decade, uh, his teammate in Toronto at that time, Jose Batista, very similar case as well, who it took a major, major swing change after he'd been in the big leagues for three years. And then suddenly he goes on and hits 54 home runs in an environment where guys didn't hit 54 home runs either. Um, you know, you look at guys uh, who, who have had major swing and miss issues in the minors and then finally got the right 
uh, hitting coach and kind of tweaked their swing um, and totally took off after the fact. You look at like Javi Baez with the Chicago Cubs, who had terrible strikeout issues and swing and miss issues and plate discipline issues uh, throughout most of his upper minors career. And then finally got to the Cubs. They tweaked his swing a little bit, and suddenly he's taken off as being one of the, you know, perennial MVP candidates in the in, in the National League as well. Um, the hope is that this is not a flash in the pan. And if you look at uh, what he did in AAA this year, you look at what he did um, in the Florida State League uh, a couple of years ago, um, before kind of stumbling again after the fact. Um, he's shown at times that he can be this completely dominant talent, uh, and that's the reason why he was for a while in the back end of the top 10 prospects in the system because the tools were all there. Um, it just looks like he's finally managed to tweak things to the point where it's taking off, and that's freaking tremendous to watch. Uh, Mr. Scrabbles, what do you think, man? I, I, I like, intellectually, I see a player like Aristides Aquino, and I'm just getting red flags all over the place. Like, no, this is not sustainable. There's no way like he, he's never done anything like this in the minor leagues. There's, there's, there is no precedent whatsoever for a player like this coming up and doing this kind of thing or even half this kind of thing for a long time. Right. Like this is clearly like all of the, uh, all of the alarms are going off. This is small sample size, like kids getting lucky. Right. But I don't know, like my gut feeling though is, oh my God, this kid, he just hits it a mile every time. And, and the, the gut level thing is is starting to, to overcome the brain level thing, right? So the, the numbers I'm starting to look into what he's actually doing here. And no, this is actually starting to make some sense. Like, Maybe he did just radically change into an all-powerful baseball god, right? Like, I, I mean, weirder things have happened, right? I mean, you you know, you talk about Jose Bautista, right? Like, these things aren't like completely unprecedented, right? So, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm in a really weird spot right now with this kid because, like, emotionally, I'm just I'm following every at bat and I'm checking in all the time, and my god, it's just it's so much fun. And then, you know, I think, well, yeah, I mean, come on. He's not going to be like this for the rest of his career, obviously, right? He's not going to be one of the greatest power hitters in the National League, right? This is this is just a fun month in a lost season, right? And then, I don't know, I'm looking at it again, and it's thinking, maybe he actually has got something here, right? Maybe this is sustainable. So I, I don't really know what to think about this at all anymore. So, it's, it's, you know, this uh, whatever I got to say about this is probably not important whatsoever. <laughs> but, no, but it's, it's, it's also worth noting that um, if you look across the baseball landscape right now and look at some of the guys that are doing what they're doing and look at their histories also, uh, I think what you're beginning to find out is there's a lot of things that – and and – not to make it too one-dimensional in, in terms of the, the overall argument, uh, but the fact that you've seen the big league ball used at AAA level this year for the first time and what it's done to power numbers there and what using the, the big league ball, which has obviously been changed to the point where it flies the fuck out of every single ballpark, every other swing. Um, a lot of the things that scouts and prospect evaluators looked at in previous years because they were um, – uh, more important in a game that doesn't exist at the big league level anymore, maybe they're just a little bit off. You know, maybe the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark has become easier 
and guys that luck into it or do it more frequently than, than they do other things that were previously valued as being good is something we're beginning to see play out. I mean, you look across the baseball landscape right now, uh, Yasio Puig, when he came up, was a phenomenal talent that was a game-changer talent. Um, the Dodgers basically gave him to the Reds because they looked up and said, we've got other guys that can do that now. Like Jock Peterson does that. Uh, Cody Bellinger does that. Both guys who are good prospects, but not like the number one prospect in the game. Um, you look at Pete Alonzo. But none of those guys hit the ball 118 but, miles but, but an you, hour, but, though, but you, right? But you, like, look, you look at the Mets. You look at Pete Alonzo, a guy who was like the number 70 or whatever prospect in baseball, first baseman, whatever. Like, people thought he could hit, but like, he's hitting the shit out of the ball. Like, that's the thing is that, yeah. like, you don't have to be a 300 hitter to be the best player in baseball now. You just have to hit the ball out of the ballpark a certain percentage of your time. And. That's fine. And then when you do that, then you suddenly become an upper echelon guy. And you almost wonder if Aquino is one of those guys who, like Pete Alonso, is suddenly like a superstar because uh, it doesn't matter if you hit 250, 260 over the grand scheme, you're going to park 50 balls in the seats because that's what you do. And that's becoming an increasingly more valuable uh, thing that players can do. And while Aquino didn't necessarily have the rest of that in his regimen coming through AAA, he figured out, A, I can do that because I hit the shit out of the ball when I make contact with it. And that's increasingly becoming, again, more valuable in today's modern game of baseball. Yeah, like, I, I mean, that is – that's the kind of analysis that belongs in a different podcast. Like, that's that's higher-level stuff, man. You're bringing some really great that, shit that's, there. That's but, the Tony Wolf fan uh, graph stuff right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, mean, that guy, well, I mean, you mentioned the you, – you, it's funny. You mentioned the AAA uh, baseball. The Reds have had – not just Aquino, the Reds have had a few different guys yeah. just absolutely murder the baseball at AAA this season. You, know, you saw Josh Van Meter uh, back in April hit, or April going into May hit uh, 14 homers in, in less than 50 games at AAA. Chris O'Grady mashed uh, 28 homers at AAA this year before getting called up. And Van Meter hasn't hit a ton of homers since coming to the big leagues. And Yeah, not O'Grady's a power hitter, yeah. And at-bats, but O'Grady hasn't hit six homers in his first 10 at-bats. It's been Aquino. Aquino is the one that, and you know, Van Meter has like done other. other 118 miles an hour. But Aquino has been the one that's like come up and not missed a beat and been like, yeah, I'm still this guy. And I think he's not not just hitting homers, right? He's hitting the shit out of the ball. It's it's a different kind of thing, right? It's worth pointing out that Donnie Ecker, um, hitting coach in the Reds organization, went on record and said that Aquino has the – the ability to be a franchise-altering talent uh, before he got called up. And just to kind of tie a bow on all of this, you look at Aquino this year, you look at him last year, the year before, he has massively overhauled his swing. Like, he's always been a 6'4", 220-pound guy who absolutely yeah. was incredibly projectionable. And even when he was struggling, when he ran into a ball, hit the living shit out of it. Um He's doing it more often now in part because of a swing change. But you start looking up and down the Reds roster uh, at the big league level and and even at the minor league level as well. And you're seeing guys who are hitting in stances that are 100% different than what they did even last year. And that's important in large part because Donnie Ecker wasn't here a year ago. Turner Ward at the big league level was not here a year ago. Um, And what you're seeing from guys right now almost seems like they're doing more and more to do everything possible to tailor their swing to what the ball is allowing them to do this year. You're seeing Nick Senzel 
going through a massive swing overhaul. Uh, he set out two games specifically earlier this week, which the Reds broadcast has mentioned 35 times, uh, just to kind of keep working on that. You've seen Joey Votto scrap squatting and choking up and standing up more upright. You've seen it with Tucker Barnhart as well. Um, Josh Vanmeter went through a major swing overhaul last year at the end of the year and started seeing results then, and it has completely carried over this year. Um, it, it makes you think that some of the things that you've seen this year might have the ability to translate over next year because it's not that they're doing the same thing they've always done and getting lucky. They changed things to do exactly what it is you're hoping to see out of it. And we're seeing that. And that's the thing about it that I think is the most exciting because um, whenever you see a, a very fundamental tweak like that and then immediately start seeing result after result after result, uh, that's exciting as all hell because uh, I, that that to me seems like it could be potentially sustainable. And if that's the case, you look up at this Reds rookie class right now, and I guess we can kind of wrap with talking about this, but Aristides Aquino, Nick Senzel, Josh Vameter, like if those three guys continue to progress with more experience from what we've seen skill-wise and production-wise in their rookie years, this might go down 10, 12 30 years from now is one of the better rookie classes in Cincinnati Reds history. Cause you look at all three of those guys individually and they all bring a lot of different traits to the table, but they all bring a very large upside to the table too. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that when you look towards 2020 and beyond uh, yeah, the pitching got better this year, but if those three guys can be anywhere close to what they, they've looked like at times going forward, the Reds have made incredible progress this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Tony, how about you go first? Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a while since the Reds have had three guys come up and perform like this right away. I mean, the interesting thing about that, that group of guys is that the one that's been the least uh, valuable from a war standpoint so far has been Nixon Zell. Right. He was the, he is when you, when the Reds were coming into this season, uh, you know, I wrote about this uh, last week, but you know, when the Reds came into the season, Nixon Zell was the guy, like he was the one that everyone was hyped about seeing. Nobody was, it was talking about what Josh Van Meter was going to do when he got to the big <laughs> leagues back in March. You know, nobody was talking, nobody was really even talking about uh, Aquino, even though he has, you know, loud, the loud tools that he has, you know, it was, it was all about Nixon's own and what he, the, what he was going to do the first time he got to see big league pitching. And he's, he's been, he, he's performed pretty well. He's done, he's done some good things. He hasn't been, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. level, you know, franchise altering talent, but he's, he's, he's held his own and he's, he's looked, he's looked, he's looked plenty capable in center field, uh, you know, for playing there for the first time. And he's had a decent eye for the strike zone and, and he's, he's played pretty well. Josh Van Meter, you know, he doesn't have, I don't think the tools that the other two obviously you know, exhibit, but he's walking more than 10% of the time and he's shown a little bit of power and, and he, he can play the field pretty well in a couple different positions. Yeah. He can play so, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, this, this, this is the kind of rookie class that I don't, I don't think we, we could have necessarily, it's not the one that we might've expected uh, to, to sort of have these, these breakouts in it. But, you know, you, we've already seen, the talent that Aquino has showed, and and if if he if he somehow looks like a Peter Alonso type guy, 
uh, over a full season next year, and Nick Zenzel takes a step towards being a three or four uh, win player, and Josh Van Meter continues to play like he's a three or four win player. All of a sudden, yeah, that's a that's a really surprisingly strong group of guys uh, that are you know, only paving the way for Jonathan India to get there and Jose Garcia. And with, with how, with how uh, much trouble the Reds have had hitting this season, uh, it's their, their offensive future has looked pretty bleak uh, for large stretches of this season. So the, the idea that suddenly, um, you know, in the last month we have an entirely different, we have a, a whole new, rookie to dream on like Aquino and and we've seen Van Meter begin to hold his own and hit, continue to hit the ball well and see the ball well and and we we have this evidence that Nixon Zell is still going to hopefully be the the guy that uh, a lot of a lot of people thought he was going to be then then yeah that's that's very like, who, who, uh, who would have thought like nine months ago, like yeah, we should almost, we, we did a page, uh friend of the blog and friend of the podcast, Dan Samborski and see if he can take his zips back in time and give us what likelihood last winter we could have said, Hey, the Reds are going to move on from Scooter Jeanette and Yasiel Puig and turn it over to Josh Van Meter and Aristides Aquino. And we're all going to be fucking excited about it. Like that's, like, that, that's, that's, that's such a massive transition from uh, where things set this time last year. But you, you know, and I, I've, I've made the 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 uh, uh, the slight connection before, but you look back at where the Reds were in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, had finally boxed up a pile of prospects and shipped them to Cincinnati at the same time. And Jay Bruce was the number one overall prospect in baseball. Homer Bailey was the number I was just the, 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 the number one pitcher in baseball, and they gave the Reds some very good things. There was nothing bad about their time up there, uh, but it was Joey Votto and Johnny Cueto who kind of came up as like second fiddle guys, admittedly higher rated at that point in time than Van Meter and Aquino. But it was those second tier guys that like they, that, that, that's, that's what took off. That that's what banked 2010, 2012, 2013 into Cincinnati Reds lore, because the, the guys that you absolutely had to have perform well, performed well enough, but then they got the peripheral production from guys that you rolled the dice on almost, and they turned out to be superstars, and that's fantastic. So Scrabble's way, elaborate on that with your uh, with your wit the way that you can, por favor. Avec plaisir, mon ami. I was just thinking the same thing. Like the It, it, it looks uh, – I, I hope it looks a lot like it did in 08 and 09 when, you know, it was the, the hotness was uh, Homer and, and Jay Bruce. And like you said, they were, they were great. You know I mean? They did, they did perfectly well in, in uh, Cincinnati, but what ended up turning into the, the all-stars, the, the, the core of the team was, was Vado and Cueto. And it's the, it's the guys that come out of nowhere, right? The, the surprises that you need to make this kind of rebuild really turn into something. Right. And I, I, I kind of uh, wrote something about this kind of last week, right. About how, you know, we expect the Nixon Zells to be the all-stars. Right. And I mean, he's had a, his, it, his war looks funny to me. Like it, it doesn't look, it doesn't quite add up to me. So I, I, I don't know. I won't uh, get into that too much, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's the 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 Knicks and Zells are the guys we expect to be the All Stars, but. I don't know. It's looking like, uh, you know, Aquino and Van Meter and, and uh, guys like that who are coming up and, you know, they could they could be the guys that really become the core of the team. Uh, and that's I mean, that's dreaming quite a lot here on a, you know, on a, a Thursday night at 930 with the uh, the Reds down one on the Marlins. And I'm, you know, three or four drinks in. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that, uh, you know, you get surprised by by things like this, you know. I mean, you you can't uh, you can't script this all out, but, right? But at so, the same point, at the same uh, point in time, like you look up at what the Reds have right now, and you can make a very very reasonable statement in saying that the best hitter the Reds have right now is Eugenio Suarez. You can make a very reasonable statement and say that the best pitcher the Reds have right now is Luis Castillo. Can you pick nits with that? Sure, but neither one of those guys was a top one hundred prospect. You know, they were, they were picked up in trades. They were traded multiple times in Castillo's case. Um, guys who obviously had talent but weren't supposed to be the superstars. And those are the Red superstars right now. And so uh, the idea that Vameter and Aquino could be legitimate big league players who are better than average, yeah, it's – Based on what you thought a year ago or what you never got around to thinking about a year ago because you never paid them enough mind, yeah, that's a valid point. But also it's far from the only instance uh, that that this has happened, much less within the own organization, which with their, they're emerging right now because that's where Suarez and Castillo were um, five and three years ago respectively. So it, maybe, just maybe, um, for as much as we criticize the front office for not spending money that uh, for the large part they haven't had as available to spend over the last few years and making some trades and some moves that in hindsight have looked very, very bad, um, what they've done to cobble together – this roster and sticking with some of these guys. Uh, we haven't even gotten to Phil Irvin yet, who's another guy who looks like he's uh, finally got a chance and has looked more and more like a, a legitimate big league player. Um, the way that this roster has kind of been put together with 2020 in mind and t- beyond 2020 for all you know intents and purposes, uh, it it deserves to be kind of credited at this point. I think you know. Um, Obviously, it hasn't panned out this year, but there's nothing about what the Reds are right now that really looks like it's going to regress going into next year. And it's the first time we've been in a spot like that in late August of a season in, what, fucking seven years, you know? Um, and that's it's been yeah, a while, that's, yeah. uh, that, 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 that deserves some, some dap for sure. So, um, well, with that... I guess we can wrap this episode. We're about 45 minutes in. Um, you can follow us on SoundCloud. We are the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, you can follow us. Actually, if you like to uh, read words on a screen in front of you, you can follow us at redreporter.com, which is where we all got started doing this. Um, you can follow Tony at fangraphs.com because Tone Blog is putting up some fantastic content over there, Red Stuff and beyond as well. Um, but, yeah, check us out. You can get us on Twitter at redreporter.com. Not redreporter.com at red reporter. Sorry. Um, I hate plugging shit. Um, anyway, it's been good. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. And uh, hopefully we can find a way to make uh, the next, what, 
29-ish games, 28 games, I guess, uh, a more enjoyable time because we looked up at 2020 and realized that uh, this is pretty much the same group that's going to be around. You know, they, they don't have a whole lot of expiring contracts, and uh, we've seen some of the, the future and the present, and it kind of seems to be kind of cobbling together. So um, for Tony, for uh, Charlie Scrabbles, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys uh, next week. Cool.